0: the Muzzleloaders.com podcast, your source for all things muzzleloading. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Muzzleloaders podcast, where we talk about anything and everything black powder. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking specifically about processing animals. It is hunting season. A lot of you have probably harvested animals. I've had a few of you even send pictures in, so thanks for doing that. And congratulations. But uh the next step is where the real work begins, and that's processing animals correctly um but before we get into that, let's hear a quick season update for for Nate and I um Nate, I know you were already successful this year um yes, yes, I uh had a little bit of success, yeah, finally <laughs> <laughs> no i uh planned on hunting a lot more this this year, but uh, kind of got into the hustle and bustle of things, and yeah. So you might have noticed that there's only two of us and that's because it is busy season and it is not named busy season for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Correct. Um. Yeah. So, you know, kind of plan on shooting a bigger bull this year. Mm-hmm. That's usually the plan, right? Yeah. Shoot the yep. biggest one. Possible. Start out <laughs> that way. <laughs> uh, but it's just been bizarre. I mean, I'm sure you can attest to this that the elk just, well, I, I think you've had more elk. Elk action than I have this year. Maybe. Every time that I've gone out, it, it, there's just been nothing. Really? Yeah. I mean, no, n- n- I think I heard three or four bugles all season. Hmm. And so I had this little four point come in and he, was, he playing, I was playing around a little bit and saw him coming off the hill. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to shoot that little guy. You know, he yeah. sounded big when he was bugling. Yeah. He had, he had an aggressive bugle, but <clears throat> he just kind of came down off the hill to some cow calls and. He kind of came about 15 yards away and started walking away. And I was like, you know, just I had to play with him a little bit. Gave mm-hmm. him a little, just one cow call. Yeah. And he turns around and just starts walking right towards me. Mm-hmm. S- just, I mean, he comes straight at me and then he turns broadside at 15 feet. <laughs> I was like, oh. You know, all the things going through your mind in 10 seconds. It's like. I'm a quarter mile from the Jeep. <sighs> yeah, he's, he's right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll see I can't him. pass that. <laughs> so I shot and uh, he went another 15 feet and that was it. And he, over- he expired. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. He, I, he perspired. The oh, season has been strange. There's been a few th- weird things I've noticed. The wind has been really weird this year. I've noticed. Like it's been really swirly. Um, I feel like that's every year. It could be every year. <laughs> maybe. And I also h- was hunting some new areas this year, so it could just be those areas. Might just be the association of it all. But, sure. Um, it's also been like either just nonstop action or dead silence. <laughs> There's n- not much hey, in between. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm jelly, man. That's how it normally is for me. You know, yeah. it's, it's either nonstop action or, or nothing. You know, you yeah. take your bow for a walk uh-huh. or you get into nonstop action. And yeah. I, Know, the days of the nonstop action is what I live for. Exactly, so. exactly, <laughs> yeah, when, when the getting up at, at 4 a.m. is a little easier the next day when you've had nonstop action the day before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something to look forward to. Exactly, yeah, um, but I have not killed a bull yet, I'm going out again this weekend, hopefully, uh, I was in a spot in them the other day, and it was nonstop action, and I went in there the following day, and just a uh, ghost town, and so I'm hoping they're gonna be back in there this weekend, and we can get it done, so see how it goes hey best of luck to you man i thank you i appreciate it (laughs) um but uh yeah so let's go ahead and get into the topic of the day which is how to process an animal so once you get an animal on the ground uh how do you you know whether it's field dressing or if you do the gutless method or whatever to make it taste good when it gets to the dinner table you know because really a lot of the times people have issues with game meat it starts in the field with the processing in the field. Yeah, and so, Nate, with all of your many years of experience of both being a professional chef and, um, you know, taking down animals out in the woods like a madman, what are some things that we need to know before we go into that? Well, I mean, we'll just kind of start at the top here. Uh, you're going to need good tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I never go out in the woods. Not expecting to fill my tag, you know, yeah. I think far too many people go out in the woods like, yeah, yeah, you know, it might happen. So mm-hmm. they usually have a knife, yeah, and that's, that's about it. And then they're out of luck. When, <laughs> and it's like, actually and if you're, time. you know, if you're five miles in or even two miles from the from your rig, it's like, do you really want to walk out two miles just have to come back and start the whole process of getting yeah. an animal out of the woods? Exactly. I don't. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I've got game bags multiple knives i bet i've got 7 knives in my pack <laughs> <laughs> No, is that is 7 too many or is that like <laughs> they all have a different purpose you yeah. know it's i usually do my entire animal with a havalon takes me 4 or 5 blades uh-huh. but the blades are cheap yeah. they're razor sharp you know i hate being out there trying to sharpen a knife you know back in the day when i was young Havilons didn't exist and mm-hmm. yeah you took a good diamond sharpening Steel that you would take with you, and you'd sharpen your knife every so often, and yeah continue on took forever, yeah, but you know technology has changed things. Havalons mm-hmm. are amazing, or even the outdoor edge with the changeable blades mm-hmm. if you've got a changeable that's, blade, it's that's what I use money. my as like the six inch long mm-hmm. blade on it, yeah, it works really well, yeah, that's a great one. Um. yeah so sharp knives at least one or two I, I carry some backups just in case uh, mm-hmm. something happens but different uses for each one <clears throat> uh, game bags are a no-brainer you know? yeah do you want to if you don't bring game bags I think that was a question you'd posed here yeah so um, yeah that was my thing because I actually I didn't obviously fill my tag but I forgot game bags one of the days I went out and I was like what would I do if I actually killed something? Like, there's got to be, like, the Mm -hmm. Indians, the Native Americans back in the day didn't have, you know, game bags like we see them today. Yeah. So, like, what did they do to get their meat out? They'd quarter and hang. Uh Uh-huh. So, did you, do you carry rope or anything in your pack? Yeah, for sure, yeah. So, if you're carrying a rope, which I highly suggest of some sort, um, paracord's great, that new uh, ready rope Mm -hmm. is phenomenal. I I like that stuff even more than the rope in a can, Yeah. you mean? Ready rope, that's called. <laughs> <laughs> Rope in a can. Uh, but yeah, uh, you quarter it, you hang it in a tree, uh-huh. go get your bags, and come back. Yeah. And you, if you want to pack bone out of the woods, I guess that's totally up to you, but I wouldn't recommend it. So I mm-hmm. usually, <clears throat> if I do quarter and hang, I hang all the quarters up in a tree, you know, get the, the tenderloins out, get the backstrap out, lay it on the backside of the hide or something to yeah. start getting it cooled down. Um, you know, lactic acid is, is one of the biggest things that ruins the flavor of your meat. And mm-hmm. the longer it sits, the meat sits in the animal, the more lactic acid it's going to build up. Yeah. So get it off the animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then get your quarters in a tree. And I usually take all the meat off the quarters, leave the bones there, take my rope. You know, you pack it in, pack it out. But yeah. Is there is there any way there. to keep... So I saw a bear, uh, one of these times i was out last Mm -hmm. weekend and is there any way to keep predators off your meat i've never had an issue with that really it's usually you've got like a 24 hour period Mm. nighttime is when you're gonna attract predators during the day i've i've never i mean i've i've been i've packed out till 2 a.m before and Mm -hmm. you know make your first trip out come back in at midnight Mm -hmm. and still no predators on the animal. it takes them a while to find it yeah okay it's got to permeate the area and then they got to figure out where it's at and it's it's a it's usually a time i'm not saying it can't happen it's true and if you keep it from rotting then that's going to make it stink less probably yeah. you know yeah, and if you get a couple bites out of a quarter that a bear takes off of it it's not the end of the world yeah know? that's true <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that was a question it that could I happen had. yeah so cool so game bags um and then you say citric acid spray what yeah. is that all about? So that is a really cool... Um, yeah, I've, People have been using it for years, but this is in the hunting world. It's probably relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, you can buy citric acid powder and mm-hmm. you just carry it around with you. It weighs nothing with a little spritz bottle. Again, weighs nothing. And then when you harvest an animal and you get the quarters hung up or whatnot, you mix the powder with some of your drinking water and... It's a citric acid spray. You can mm-hmm. buy it online just virtually about anywhere. You spray your meat down and it'll, one, keeps the bugs off. Mm-hmm. And two, it keeps, um, it puts like a protective enzyme coating over the meat so it doesn't spoil as quickly. Really? Yep. Huh. That's not, cool. Not that you're going to have an issue with spoiling in a, I mean, even if it were, if you hung your quarters in a tree for a couple days. Mm hmm you're not going to have a lot of rotting issues yeah um it is going to rot quicker on the bone than off because mm-hmm. the bone holds the heat in yep. right yeah 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 so that's where your rot's going to be is right up against the bone mm-hmm. um so that, which is why i like to get it off the bone as quick as possible for sure but yeah, yeah. citric acid kind of a cool trick keeps the bugs and flies and stuff you don't know want maggots on your meat that's Gross. Yeah. (laughs) It's extra protein. (laughs) Mm, Tasty. (laughs) Um, And I also like, I always carry a GPS, you know, having Mm -hmm. been lost. A time or two. A time or two. (laughs) It's not fun. No, not at all. Um, But you spend enough of that time in the woods, it'll happen if you don't have a GPS. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really nice to be able to just mark your animal and go back to the Jeep. Yeah, for sure. And get supplies or come back for your second trip or whatnot. If somebody doesn't have a GPS, is it just like use flagging tape and yep. like just flag your way back to the truck yep. and then follow it back? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just that makes sense. Make sure you take down your flags when you're done, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. nothing worse than Hate seeing that. that. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to be, you know, our. Leave no trace. Uh, as hunters, we, uh, you know, a lot of our proceeds and money go to. Keeping the woods clean and, mm-hmm. and protecting species and so on and so forth. So if you can at least do your due diligence. Yeah. Same with beer cans or anything like that. Man, I find a lot of junk in the I woods. Know. Well, the craziest thing is when you're like hiked back in there a couple miles, and then you're like, oh man, I bet nobody's been here ever. And you look down, and there's a <laughs> a, beer a Bud Light can it's down like, there. Like <laughs> it's I'm like, five miles in. <laughs> who packs a beer in five miles? Do so you get out of your mind? Yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> but if, if you are one of those people, that's totally fine. Just. To pack your beer can. You back might out. have a drinking problem if you <laughs> are packing beer in five miles. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. So um, cool. Yeah. And I know that uh, like something that we've always done growing up and I think this is kind of everybody does growing up is you do the field dressing like you pull the guts out. You grab, mm-hmm. sure you know, do all that. The stuff. old school 60s yeah, method for sure. <laughs> but I was watching and you've talked to me about but I, I wanted to educate myself visually on it before Mm -hmm. this season and that's the gutless method and it is it seems so much nicer like I don't know why you would even do field dressing so let's go ahead and and uh, I'll put a link to some of those videos that I was watching in the description so that you guys can watch it Um, but let's talk a little bit about that because that is a life-changing thing yeah yeah absolutely so you know man since we started doing this probably 10 years ago Mm -hmm. we have not ever gone back. I mean, I still, when I get done, I still get the heart out. A lot of people don't eat the heart, but mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. Really, it's good. Yeah. It's one of the best. Yeah. Of the best phenomenal. Of yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, so the gutless method, you essentially just start at the backbone or the belly and you would skin the belly. If you're going to start the belly, which I think that's, that's usually where I start. So you come up the front arm on the backside mm-hmm. and the back quarter on the backside. You make two slits all the way down to where you're gonna cut the skin on the stomach, Mm -hmm. and then start skinning the legs up and over until you get to the stomach, and then you start skinning the stomach, and that whole hide comes off in one piece, Mm -hmm. and you lay it backwards on the ground, and that gives two things. It starts cooling the meat, and it gives you a nice clean surface that's already contacted the meat for yeah. you to work on. Mm-hmm. Just don't step on it. It's really slippery. <laughs> you, you can fall down. And then it's not clean. You, go, you know, put your face right in the <laughs> hide. So it's real fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now, now you've got all the skin off all the way to the backbone. Mm-hmm. And you can just start taking the meat off the bone from there. So uh, my brother still likes to quarter. Mm-hmm. So he'll do the gutless method just like that lay the hide over, and then take those two quarters off and hang them in trees. Mm-hmm. It's a little easier to when you've got gravity and you just start at the top and you start whittling off the bone, all that meat just kind of starts falling well, off. It doesn't take very long to quarter either. I no. Mean, it takes like yeah, five minutes. Not very long you know? at all. Five minutes per quarter. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it, it, you may Behind as well. quarters take a little longer. Because it's going to save you the time trying to take all the meat off the bone on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, when you try to – and I do – this year I did it on the ground because I didn't have a tree anywhere near me that mm-hmm. would have worked really well to hang the, the meat. So and it's a little tricky. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just flopping all over the place and you can't really <sighs> Solo it's tough too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. I was all alone. you know, if it's got somebody to hold the leg or whatever, that's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it uh it does is, is a process. But yeah. yeah. So it's nice to quarter it and just have it in the in the tree. So so anyway from there, you'd take the quarters if you're gonna do it that way. Hang them in the trees, and then you take your back strap out on this side mm-hmm. and get your tenderloin on this side. Mm-hmm. And then you'd take the hide and you lay it back over on the animal. That way you don't contaminate the backside of the hide because you might still need it for a good clean surface to work on mm-hmm. or to put your meat on. And then you roll the animal over. Well, I guess prior to that, you'd get all the neck meat. That's where mm-hmm. all your hamburger and stuff is. Yeah. <clears throat> then you roll the whole animal over. Or if you're gonna do the ribs or whatever some people save the ribs that's yeah, like, you know do everything you're gonna do on that side and then roll it over. Talk about the ribs a little bit because most people I've talked to don't don't hassle with the ribs, but then some people say the ribs are just the best thing ever. Yeah, I'd say ninety percent of people don't even mess with the ribs. There's not a lot of meat there, there's not a lot of fat, there's not a lot of anything. So if you are gonna do the ribs, I would recommend cutting the entire section out and then rolling it up. And putting it in a game bag. Okay, yeah, and then take bone and everything. Bone and everything. Yeah, because if you're gonna do it, the best way to do it is to boil it and then grill it. Um, is there any is there any benefit to hamburger in the rib meat? I was just gonna say some people cut all the sections out of the ribs mm-hmm. and hamburger it. Okay, it's one of those things where it's probably one of the last things you're gonna do in your grinder because it's gonna clog it a bunch. Just cause because it's so a lot of gristle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I know there are a lot of people that love elk ribs mm-hmm. and on the bone. Yeah. so More power to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably not. If I'm five miles in, I'm probably not going to pack out that extra weight. Yeah. And, you know, I don't believe in wasting any of the animals. So. Yeah. But there's really not much there. Not much there. Yeah. Cool. Where would we leave off? Where? Uh, oh, yeah. We're flipping it now, right? Flip it over. Yeah. And then, you know, it's wash, rinse, repeat at that point. Mm-hmm. you have already done the same thing on the other side. Take the quarters off. Get all the meat you're going to do. Um, put it in bags um, I, like I said I, I don't take the bone with me so I quarter it paint at the tree take all the meat off put it in mm-hmm. bags and then make my first trip out that works okay and then one question I had um, and that was actually answered in this other video that that I was watching is the tenderloins because those are on the underside of the spine mm-hmm. um, between the guts and the spine and so how do you get at that if you don't do the if you do the gutless method so tenderloins, yeah. My favorite piece of meat Yeah, on the animal. Um, what you'd want to do is uh, once you get the back straps out, you will make an incision just at the lower part of the back there, um, up against the spine, so you can see the tenderloins. Mm-hmm. And then you'll push down on the stomach, the gut sack or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, And then you can grab it and you can rip the whole thing out literally it's you know it's really soft piece of meat but yeah. I I wouldn't I don't do that because it, it leaves a bunch in there mm-hmm. so I usually grab it push the stomach down get a good hold on it and then I'll cut the top up against the spine part mm-hmm. all the way across both ways and then lift it up cut the back side towards the rear end mm-hmm. and then start cutting it out until it comes and you get all of it cut up against the spine there okay yeah. It just comes out in one big piece. So that makes sense. And when you say make an incision, you want to be really careful not to cut the Yes. Sack. Absolutely you absolutely ruin your tenderloins. Really? Yeah. That's hmm. that it is not a fun experience. Have you done it before? I have done it before. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get the gut juice on the tenderloins, it is <sighs> Yeah. Ooh. Not not good. It's not fun to work around. <laughs> it if you do that, terrible. just b- abort mission. Like. Yeah, I, you can still save them, but you got to peel a whole layer. You waste a ton of the tenderloin. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man, don't do that. Don't just do don't, that. Just make it simple for yourself and don't do it. And it is, it's easy to cut because there's so much. When you do the gutless me- method, there's usually a lot of pressure. When an animal dies, the stomach usually... Get all gases and stuff. Gassy and starts to bloat. Mm -hmm. And so, a lot of times, what I will do is once I've skinned the bottom part there, I'll just poke a little hole in the away from the away from like in the belly in the belly side, and then push down on the stomach to where it lets all the pressure out Mm. of the stomach contents, and it smells awful. But (laughs) but you bear it, and then that way, when you make the incision, there's not all that pressure pushing. Mm -hmm. Back against the tenderloins, yeah. especially if you don't get to it soon. You know, if your animal takes a while to expire, mm-hmm. they can really start to bloat. That makes sense. Find it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Be be smart about it. You know, yeah. don't do don't do stupid stuff. Don't um, do dumb things. <laughs> it's that, It's so simple. <laughs> um, and I've heard a few different things about from people about how to pack it out. So. You guys put everything in game bags and then dry bags so it doesn't get in your backpack and then haul it out, correct? Um, I usually put it in game bags and just put it straight in my pack. Okay. A word from our sponsors, the X2 pack. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I use uh, Everly Sock X2 pack. Yeah. Favorite pack in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's amazing. We yeah. We pretty much it's all wonderful. use them now. I, I was the first one and talked everybody into getting them and nobody wanted to like ah it's too small oh this oh that and now they're like this is the best pack in the world yeah it's really good yeah you expand everything out and then I'll put my first just right on the back of the pack there and Mm -hmm. it all zip ties down and okay compresses down with the bag and then I'll take my first I usually take the head and my first pack of meat out if I'm alone Um, normally if we're hunting as a group we just one trip the animal Mm mm-hmm most of the time, yeah, we've one tripped an entire elk out, and it's brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, it's pretty tough, but it's better than two trips, so. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> if you fall down break your leg, it's not That's better. true. <laughs> that's true. Just be smart, you know, know your limits. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are some, like, philosophies behind having the game bags and the meat, like, open to the air mm-hmm. so that they can be cooled, but I know Verlin puts his in dry bags. And so, long- like- so that's fine. For the trip to the vehicle. hmm But that's it. Then you need to take it out and let you it get You Absolutely air. need to have the most air exposure to your game meat as possible. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think I think that's that was one thing he always said that he did that kind of confused me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I mean it makes sense. He doesn't want stuff to get all over his backpack or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. I usually so I usually buy the bigger game bags and if you're doing the gutless method, you can fit a lot of meat in a bag. Mm-hmm. If on your first trip, obviously, if you're taking the head and a bag of meat out, you're probably going to take like the tenderloins and the back strap, Mm -hmm. maybe a hamburger bag. It depends on what you're doing and how you structure your bags. Um, But I will basically fill the bottom of the bag with meat because there's no bone or anything in there. Yeah. Tie a knot in it, layer it over itself again, tie another knot on the other side and layer it back over it. And I usually don't get any blood on my pack that way. Hmm and I just strap it straight to the back of the X2 pack. Hmm. There's been one year when it was like, you know, we we're five miles in, we had to hike five miles out and even triple layering it. I got blood on the bottom of my pack, but... Who cares? The X2 You're pack. Hunting. Yeah, the You're X2 pack. Stuff, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the X2 pack, you can take off the frame. You can soak it in cold water. All the blood comes out. I mean, I've got no blood yeah. stains on my pack, even though I've got blood on it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Not that makes sense. Not a big deal. Cool. That's uh, an important thing. Um, so... It's that time again. Let's go ahead and do our blowing smoke segment. So, true or false, Nate? Um, the term black powder was coined in the late 14th century because of the smoke that it produced was black in color. That sounds like a reasonable explanation. I'm going to go with true. It sounds reasonable, doesn't it? It does, but it's, it's because not. it's made up. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it actually. What I meant to say was false. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> By true, I actually meant false. Yes, it's correct. Um, the actual, actually, the answer is uh, it was. I think it was the late eighteen hundreds, mm. and they they came up with it to distinguish it from smokeless powder because mm. they you know before smokeless powder there was just gunpowder yeah. like it was, it was just powder yeah it was just powder you know and then once smokeless powder came out they had to have some kind of distinction because mm. there's two different types of gunpowder so. Pretty, pretty interesting little tidbit for blowing smoke there, I thought at least. Well, this is 2021, so I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to call it black powder, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows where we're going from here? So, um, And all right, so kind of back into the main topic of the day. Do you let your meat hang when it gets home or do you instantly go to butcher it? Because I think that there's... Well, let's backtrack here a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. You want to backtrack? I, did, I just wanted to touch on this one point here. What Transporting from your field to your house. Oh, oh, okay. Um, I mean, I only put one note in there. I see. A tarp. <laughs> a tarp. Yes. Okay. End of section. You can go. <laughs> no, I'm no, just kidding. Uh, I always carry a tarp in my vehicle. If, okay. if you have a truck and you want to throw your meat in the back of the truck, that's fine. If you mm-hmm. have a Jeep like me or a SUV or something like that, I like I said, I usually carry a tarp and lay it down in the back of my vehicle. So you don't get blood and blood stuff all over the place all over the carpet that it's makes one sense. thing getting blood on your pack it's a whole nother thing getting blood <laughs> inside <laughs> in your, your vehicle, vehicle. yeah it's a little harder to, to figure out how to get out so, yeah that's true that's a good note because I, I didn't think about that because I have a truck so yeah you uh, just toss it in the back yeah, I throw just throw it in the back you're good spray to it out one, spray I'm it done. out when you're done <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but uh on, on the hanging process because I think that a lot of times people won't let their meat hang and that is, uh, you know, makes it tough and all that kind of stuff. So, um, let's dive into a little bit of, of that. So, I'm not going to get too nerdy on you there um, with all the logistics and you know, chefery yeah. terms. <laughs> um, but there are good and bad bacterias. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. And um, when you let your meat hang, it produces a good enzyme. Mm-hmm. That actually breaks down the tissues between the sections of meat that makes it more tender. Mm. So 100% hanger meat. Now, if you want to do that, does it have to hang in a cool place? Or like could you just hang it up in your garage? So more heat produces more enzymes. If you're going to put it in a cooler, I would suggest doing it for 28 days. Which most people are going to go, well, that's a long time. Yeah. But if you put it in a refrigerated space where you can keep it temperature controlled and try not to leave it in the game bags, there's there's just a lot to do with it. If, if you don't want to waste a lot of meat, you're going to want to leave it in some sort of airtight-ish bag, mm-hmm. but something that will drain the blood off because the blood, it's going to continue to bleed out as those enzymes produce and the meat separates. More mm-hmm. blood's going to come out of the meat. Yeah. So, if you have it in a refrigerated space for 28 days in a airtight-ish bag, you're going to have to drain the blood quite often, mm-hmm. and the blood will get – that's the first thing that starts to smell. So mm-hmm. you want to make sure you get the blood off. If you're going to hang it in not an airtight-ish bag, just mm-hmm. like quarters or something like that, or even just the gutless method, boneless method – in game bags yeah. for 28 days, you're going to lose a lot of meat because a lot of that exterior meat, even in a refrigerated space, is going to get just the crust. Unedible. You know. mm-hmm. It's just going to be crusty. Mm-hmm. But you can peel all that off and throw it away, feed it to your dog, cat, <laughs> chickens, whatever. <laughs> whatever we'll So, yeah, w- there's ways not to waste it, um, you know, make dog food out of it. There's a lot of people now that believe in feeding their dog fresh meat so yeah that's a big yeah. thing nowadays for health reasons um so there's ways to not waste it there too but yeah hang it for 28 days if you're going to have it hung in your garage or something like that like i didn't have i don't have a cooler where i can keep my meat mm-hmm. Hung mine in my garage for four days that's about as long as you're going to get before your good enzymes become bad enzymes and yeah Meat starts getting rancid especially depends on temperature too if it's 100 degrees in your garage one day yeah <laughs> that's all you need. that's all you get <laughs> I, I mean it's not gonna produce the, the enzymes you want in one day mm-hmm. at that temperature but um you gotta work, it, with, what you gotta you got. work with what you got yeah, yeah exactly so be smart ideally you have a walk-in cooler <laughs> yes, that you can hooks. hang up yes yeah so yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you have that great but i've dreamed not, about that yeah work with what you got you know people throw away refrigerators all the time that, that work just fine you can find refrigerators on craigslist that you can convert take all the glass out of it, whatever, make one big cooler. You can fit in a whole elk in a fridge. Really? Yep. That'd be a squeeze. No, not really. Gutless, boneless method. It's, you know, typically four game bags, Hmm. and it's going to bleed all over the place, but you just... It's an extra fridge that you get off Craigslist for 50 bucks or yeah. 100 bucks or whatever. You know, you keep it in your garage. It's honestly a great method. There's, I know yeah. a ton of people that do it. That's what my dad does now. My brother does that now. Mm-hmm. I'm still looking for a garbage fridge that somebody wants to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> so message going out. If anybody has a garbage fridge they want to get rid of. Contact me. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Um cool. I think that's awesome cuz I think that really the the toughness and the gaminess are the two things people usually talk about when mm-hmm. they talk about not liking um elk meat, but also like I've heard a lot of people don't like deer. Um in your deer experience is definitely deer. more gamey than elk? Yeah, and that's yeah. I've experienced that as well, but I think there's ways that you can make deer taste better. You know, if you follow these same methods. Yes, there is. you, if you throw it in the garbage, it tastes great. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I uh, am very biased because I grew up in Wyoming eating whitetail, which is the best deer on the planet. Yeah. And, you know, out here, mule deer. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what they're eating. I'll yeah, eat it. If they're eating sage. But I usually lunch. make it mostly hamburger or sausage or, you know. That's what I've heard a lot of people say. I've, I really enjoy deer, actually. <sighs> like, actual. Yeah, even if you hang it, I mean, a lot of the gamier taste can go away mm-hmm. but that's what we usually hang the deer deer is just it's mule deer yeah if, <laughs> if i come home and my wife is cooking something with mule deer hamburger i tell. immediately know i can <laughs> i smell it and i go well we're having mule deer tonight I'm not gonna enjoy my meal as much <laughs> <laughs> i think it's good but whitetail th- doesn't have a gamey taste so really mm-hmm. and is that it's unrelated to what they've been eating like like the for white whitetail, I've never, never had a gamey whitetail. Hmm. I mean, that might exist somewhere on the planet when if they're eating something weird. But even during the, most the rut, part. they taste good. Yeah, hmm. interesting. Yeah. yeah, I've never eaten whitetail. We've always killed mule deer. So yeah. whitetail meat is. I probably don't know what. I'm you wouldn't out go on, back. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once you go whitetail, you never go. That's back. That's right. That's so. true. <laughs> um. So. What parts of the animal do you turn into steaks versus hamburger? You mentioned the neck meat was hamburger. Mm -hmm. We've always just, whatever we screwed up on, cutting up, we threw in the hamburger pot. Also true. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) correct. Like, what what are, like, ideally, when you're looking at the anatomy of an animal, are you going to turn into steaks, roasts? Um, hamburger, all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. So there's maybe one steak in the front quarters of an elk Mm -hmm. and then the rest is pretty much hamburger Mm -hmm. in my experience. I mean, you can turn anything to steak, I guess. Yeah. Technically speaking. Yeah. (laughs) Slice it up, slice it up, make it steak, you know? Yeah. Um, But I know some people will do more steaks out of the front quarters than I do, Um, Mm -hmm. but we go through a lot of hamburgers. So yeah, it's kind of personal choice. I think most of the front quarters are, are typically hamburger um, you know take the back strap throw that right into hamburger um, <laughs> <laughs> no don't no. do that <laughs> like, don't uh, do that hurts, uh, hurts just to say <laughs> 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 um, yeah so you get your back straps for steak you got your tenderloin steak um, most of the rear quarter is where you're going to find your steaks uh-huh. I mean you can make steaks out of everything in the rear quarter. so yeah. and a lot of people they'll like just slice the back strap just down the line right um. Yeah, you can do that and make nice thick steaks. I usually package mine in four pieces. So mm. I'll cut the back straps into four sections. So I get eight back strap packages total. And then mm. I'll set it out on the fridge for two days. And then when I'm ready to eat it, I'll cut it up then. yeah, You can cut it up before you wrap it. You can cut it up after. Um, less air exposure is better. So mm. I prefer to cut it up. After it's thawed, instead of before I wrap it. Mm, interesting. You have more chance for freezer burn stuff like that when you. So you just cut it. You cut it into four big sections, big and then you cut it up into steaks later. Interesting. After huh. I take yeah, it out of the freezer, that. we've yeah. always cut it all up uh, like immediately mm. and then froze it. Yeah. yeah, you have more chance for freezer burn that way. Interesting. And mm. The more air you expose to a chunk of meat, the more chance you have for freezer burn, bacteria. All that. So, and do you use a vacuum sealer? <clears throat> no. So what I do? Let's see. Let's see. We're getting ahead of ourselves. That's oh, okay. we are. Okay, I'm, that's I'm okay. Just that's jumping. Okay. No, no. Let's let's talk about <laughs> it now. We can we can just skip that part later. Um. So I do not use a vacuum sealer. What I do is I use cellophane. Uh uh-huh. And this is kind of something I learned, you know, when I was a chef. Uh huh. And you wrap your meat in cellophane first, and then you wrap it in the freezer paper. And the reason for that being, again. Oxygen is not your friend when it comes to storing meat frozen yes. or unfrozen A lot of people will wrap it just in freezer paper. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you a long freezer life Yeah, there is such thing as freezer life. You get about three years out of a a Package of meat mm-hmm. if you do not wrap it in cellophane if you wrap it in cellophane It drastically increases your freezer life. Mm-hmm. And you get 10 years out of a package piece of seriously. It. Wow if you wrap it in cellophane and then in freezer paper. That's insane. Because you, you eliminate any oxygen that can get in there. Mm-hmm. Once that cellophane's wrapped on there, and you know, it's it's kind of like using a vacuum sealer mm-hmm. because it's moist, it's wet, that cellophane pretty much takes all the air out and it just squishes tight to the meat, suctions right to it because it's wet, you know, mm-hmm. wet sticks to cellophane. Yeah. And then when you freeze it, there's no oxygen that can get through the paper or anything. And Mm -hmm. so you completely cut out any freezer burn possibilities by taking that oxygen out of there. Yeah. And any nasty taste that your freezer has in it. So do you not like using vacuum sealers or do you just do you? I've your used them in the past. And unless you have an industrial if you want to spend five grand on a vacuum sealer, that's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> but the ones that I've used from the store, mm-hmm. um, typically you try to vacuum seal it and the blood comes up and, and sucks into the vacuum. And it's just a pain in the butt. It's a pain. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's probably some good ones out there. I just haven't used one. I guarantee you, you could probably get some from Cabela's that cost a couple hundred bucks at work. Yeah. I just, in my experience, I haven't used a consumer one that's worked good. Mm. So, I'm sure they're out there. I know some people love them. So, and that's not a bad choice. I mean, vacuum sealing is great. Like I said, oxygen's not your friend. Yeah, so vacuum sealers are. We've used them for you know a lot of our stuff in the past, and I like that it sucks all the air out of there, and mm-hmm. you know you don't have to worry about like ripping. I, I maybe it's just me, but ripping cellophane is like probably the most <laughs> difficult thing that's ever. Like the most difficult task a human being can. You know, try they make it, the ones accomplish blades right now. Technology, if you're fancy. So. <laughs> <laughs> we have like the, ones with the little the little metal teeth, and yeah. like you rip oh, it yeah, and you're yeah, like yeah, on itself. <laughs> yeah. Impossible. So it's you impossible. don't even wrap in freezer paper. You just vacuum seal it right in the bag. Yeah, vacuum seal it, and you write on it like yeah. date yeah. and whatever yeah. whatever it is, and toss it in the freezer. We do that with fish and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. You know, because here in Oregon we have some. Excellent salmon fishing. And well that seems handy. My cousin takes me out pretty frequently. So I could see the the you know vacuum sealer being a handy tool. Yeah. i have is. to revisit that. i have to revisit But it. I'm gonna have to invest because the, <laughs> the $150 one I had was garbage. Yeah. For sure. For <laughs> sure. Um and kind of talking about uh this is kind of the last thing, but probably the most important thing that we talk about today. And that's going to be like the silver skin and the fat and all that stuff mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is on the meat. Um, yeah. You cannot butcher an elk like a beef. Yeah. Because bad. if you do, you're going to hate yourself for doing that. Yeah, so talk, talk about that, like that a little crap. bit, Nate. Um, yeah. So you can actually leave a lot of the silver skin on your hamburger meat. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend it on your steaks, um, but on your hamburger meat, it's okay. It doesn't really have a flavor. It's just tough. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, um, so when you send it through your grinder, you know, if you leave a lot of silver skin on your hamburger meat, you're going to be cleaning your grinder a lot. Yeah. But you can do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. But the fat, you definitely want to get all the fat off of uh, wild game because that's where your gamey flavor is going to come from. Yeah. Um, as far as silver skin goes. And silver skin, just so that we're clear, it's like the, <laughs> it's like the sinew stuff that yeah. is like yeah. in between the different muscle groups. And, you know, you want to make sure that... If you were a doctor, you'd call that connective tissue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you're a, an outdoorsman, it's called it's silver, silver skin. skin. <laughs> yeah, it's basically the pieces that connect the muscle groups. And yeah. um, the nice thing about silver skin is it's pretty tough. So if you have a, if you have a razor sharp knife, that's not the best for processing meat hmm. at your house because it'll cut right through the silver skin. Yeah. If you have a sharp-ish knife <laughs> <laughs> if you've got like one big layer of silver skin on a piece of meat you can lay that silver skin flat on the table put your knife down on the table angle it at about a 45 degree angle and basically cut one clean cut and it'll take that complete layer hmm. off that's cool and just leave you with a nice chunk of meat and silver skin that you can toss in the garbage there you go there you go that's how, you do, you, it. Have it. That's how you do it okay. <laughs> but yeah you cut anywhere where the silver skin comes between them meat at all you know get in there and cut that silver skin out and Mm -hmm. make multiple steaks out of that giant chunk of meat yeah that's the way to do it yep so yeah get rid of the fat Mm -hmm. probably get rid of the silver skin Mm -hmm. um that's more up to you but the fat is a huge problem so yeah if you get some silver skin in a piece of steak or whatnot you'll find it when you're cooking it and eating it and then just you know deal with it then too yeah for sure but it's not detrimental it doesn't harm the flavor of your meat at all, yeah so. you just cut it off or whatever yeah, so just the fat get yeah. the fat out of there for sure yeah cut the fat cut the fat yep. <laughs> all right <laughs> that's that's gonna be about all we have for today um thank you guys for watching and listening uh if you are watching on youtube uh, hit subscribe click the bell to receive notifications whenever we post content we don't just do podcasts we do all kinds of other black powder content as well and it really helps out the channel it helps get our content in the hands of people who need it and could benefit from it. And if you're listening on just the audio version, uh, definitely give us a rating, and uh, we'd love to hear any comments you guys have. Also, feel free to shins to feel free to send in feel free to send in any um, feel free like, to get shin splints, I say. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to send in any um, like podcast ideas or any questions you guys have. We'd be happy to answer those on show. And uh, yeah, we will see you guys on the next episode.